Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Can either of you guess who the third reserve keeper for Matabeleland is? Where is Matabeleland? It's a small subsection of Zimbabwe. Oh, is it? It's gonna be some. It's gonna be someone Vinny knows. That's a bit racist. He's made me racist. How are we doing, sports fans? This is the Goat Podcast, where we look to crown the goat in yada yada yada. You should get the idea by now. I'm your host for tonight, Vinny. With me, I've got Sebek, and over there in that corner is my boy, Ginger Mork. We don't fuck about. We don't fuck about. (laughs) Before I ask how you two are, I'm just going to do some boring stuff first and tell you lot at home, listening, yes, you, right now, if you like our show, if you'd like to support our show, please consider becoming a patron. But if you don't want to give money to strangers over the internet, fair enough, but still like what we're doing... Give us a follow on Instagram at the underscore goats underscore pod. And maybe give us a five star review on Apple Podcasts. I've heard that kind of helps out. I've heard that's a really good idea, actually. Yeah, yeah. And it's even easier than following us on Instagram. Just scroll down. Just go like boom, 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 boom. And if you say five stars, they've got big willies, we'll shout out on the show. (laughs) If you you say Mork's got a, a little willy, we'll shout you out extra. Yeah. But yeah, now that's out of the way, how are the two of you? Do you know what? Speaking of willies, this is so rogue to start off with. Oh, don't do another fuck <laughs> No, 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 no. It's not, it's not my ass. You just got ask. a flashback of last week of no, the whole all that's bum getting cut, spot so they're chat. not going to understand the reference. Oh, but, yeah, um, I've, cut, I've cut all of that shit. <laughs> no, it's not to my arsehole. But obviously, as you guys know, I'm a sick motorbiker, hardcore. Yeah. And you know the joke about your willy being cold and going small? Being small in the cold. The shrivelage, the shrinkage. The joke. Yeah. Yeah. I drove in in the pissing rain. It was freezing. I got in there. I didn't wear my waterproof trousers. I had a change of clothes. I went to the toilet to have a wee. It was the smallest I've seen it since I was a child. Yeah. (laughs) It was like an acorn. (laughs) <laughs> yeah did you not think it was true i thought it's true but it's never happened to me like it was almost really? inverted yeah dude in cadets like i did a weekend with the ta once on dartmoor 
and uh, we got we got on Dartmoor at about four o'clock in the morning, and it was so fucking cold and late that this guy just came like walking down our little line and was like, I didn't even know where we were. He just went like, "There's a fucking gully there, sleep in it." And I was like, "Okay." I just laid down. I was the last man in the line, and like the basher sheet was like half on me, so I woke up with half a plastic sheet over me, no sleeping bag, and half covered in fucking snow. And yeah, my cock and balls was was in me. It was inside. And the only thing that woke me up was a car driving past because we were in a one of those Dartmoor gullies off the edge of the road. You know those ones, Seb. And I was like, oh, fuck, I didn't know we were on the road. I thought we were in the middle of a field. Fuck it out. <laughs> just like, vroom. I was like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> I was like, please help me. <laughs> How the hell did you not die? That sounds awful. Then they're like, they're like right, guys, to warm up, strip down to your, to your pants and your, Let me take pictures and of your you. T-shirts. <laughs> then they're like, get down into your T-shirts, go for a little jog up and down. Then when you put your jacket on, you'll be fucking toasty. And I was like, oh, my God, kill me. But it worked. I was warm after I did that little run, so... That was good. I bet, I bet. Right, what was your Willie Thomas Seb story? So that no, that was it. Oh, yeah, that was so, it. Was, yeah, I, okay, I, okay, okay. That I went was it. for a week and I had a tiny shriveled penis. <laughs> it was like a nubbin. That's how your week was. <laughs> it was like a little nubbin. Yeah, yes. apart from that, it's been fairly uneventful. Uh, what about you, Mork? Oh, I haven't done anything, really. It's been fucking pissing down. Hence my shriveled penis. That's a fact. Everyone in the village is fuming. All, all 20 of you. Because uh, the village floods, and they're like, we're supposed to have had money for flood, anti-flooding you do, shit. Your village <laughs> not does happened. not need flood defences. <laughs> no, they do. But there's no river in your village. No, there is like there is like a stream. No, but where does... The, the village does actually flood really badly. Like, that is actually a fact, and everyone is fuming. Like, the main road that goes up and down past the school, that's like impassable, and the road out of it, you actually can't get out of it. It is, it is actually a problem. Like, I have seen it for myself and there is apparently money being spent on flood defences but it was supposed to happen eh? it was supposed to happen ages ago they haven't it's got a flood or oh, they're all fucking blah 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 the shop go mental so yeah that's my life exciting stuff yep I actually watched friend of the show Freddie got fingered over the weekend oh, with my, yes. my, my friends and uh, you know it's actually not as terrible a movie as I as I remembered it it's it's still like not in any stretch of the imagination objectively a good film. It's it's objectively terrible, but it's still like it's got loads of really funny moments yeah. that you're just like you're laughing because it's so ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, because you hated it when I showed it to you the first time round. Yeah, I think I'm coming around. I think it. I think it's actually genius. We didn't even get all the way through. No, we it, didn't. Actually. We didn't. I think it's the only time ever I've seen a film with you of the hundreds we must have seen together that you like walked out on halfway through <laughs> and were like fuck this, and I was yeah. like. But 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 he's swinging a baby around the hospital by some umbilical cord. It's hilarious, and you were like, "Nope, this is shit." Just <laughs> left. And I was like, oh, "What the fuck?" Uh, <laughs> but Seb, you've not seen that film, then? I've not seen it. No, although I've heard. Well, obviously you spoke great about stuff. It. So yeah, well, I don't know about great stuff. I've heard stuff. I've heard objectively. I've heard things. Um, <laughs> we can't. We can't think that's going to be our number one activity for the next the next goat gang meet. That's first on the agenda. Watch Freddy Got Fingered together. Should we get into it then? Yes. Today, we've made it to the milestone of episode 32. That's right. 32. And for this iconic number, we're going to celebrate the 32 teams in the FIFA World Cup by looking to crown the greatest World Cup ever in history. 
no word of lie. That is actually the reason why I, I had the idea to do the World Cup was because I really. Yes. I, I, yes, we know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You mathematically, <laughs> autistically, you did that Zach Galifianakis meme in the casino. Oh my God, 32, 32 teams in the World Cup. Yeah, I don't doubt it, Vinny. It just so it. it just so happens <laughs> coincidentally when this episode releases, it'll be three days after the Qatar World Cup starts. So that's you know that's just another reason why we're doing you this. You planned this. This was your long game. You were like, nah, let's put off recording the first episode because well, even with the break, well, thirty-two, that'll be the fucking World Cup. Blah, blah, blah. Well, some may call it the beautiful game, while others may call it kicking an inflated ball of air around with your mates. But whatever you can call it, we can all agree on one thing. FIFA are corrupt arseholes for allowing this once every four years worldwide 3.2 billion viewership tournament to be played in Qatar, which is very much renowned for its LGBTQ rights and definitely did not use slave labour to build their stadiums. And as much as I'd really like to boycott this year's World Cup, I also really want to see Harry Kane blast it into Rose Ed while sinking a few pints with the boys <laughs> down at the pub. So with that little political rant out of the way, <laughs> yeah. who wants to go first? I'll tell you what, of all the political rants that have been happening over the last couple of weeks, because there's been a few, let's be real, from players and stuff we spoke about before, Vinny. That's my favourite. That's my favourite one. Thank FIFA you. FIFA our souls, let's carry on. Oh, sorry, can we just pause yeah. and say that this stop clock idea was specifically brought in to combat the last time we did a football-themed episode. Carry oh, on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, and now we're doing it again, boy, much to Seb's dismay. So, yeah. You did fight this. I fought this like a fucking... <laughs> like a caged tiger. We wanted it but more. But it's going to be good. We wanted it more. <laughs> I fucking love the World Cup. And in fact, my earliest World Cup memory was Michael Owen's famous goal versus Argentina, where he broke out onto the world stage. And in fact, I worked this out earlier. That was the 1998 World Cup, and I was three years old. That is probably my earliest memory of my entire life, is seeing Michael Owen score that goal. And then, because his name was Michael, and I was stupid, I thought, my name's Michael. That's sick. (laughs) I'll be a Liverpool fan forever, because his name's Michael, just like me, and he scored a cool goal. And then my first love was brought to me. Then I was like, right, listen, I've got to try and pick what's the greatest World Cup ever. Other than 1966, they've all been pretty shit for England fans. Let's just say that. They've all been shit for England fans. But then there was a few, you know, Maradona winning the World Cup for Argentina basically single-handedly. You know, could have done the first World Cup. The 1970 Brazil squad. But then I was like, no. Really, it's got to be one that I have fond memories of. And so the first one that I went to was Germany 2006 because they had a great ball. The ball, the team guys. The tampon ball. was fantastic. The Tampax ball, sorry. The one that looks like it's got panty liners on it. Yeah. Lovely ball. The team guys. And this, incidentally, a little bit of ball nerd history. This was like the first ball that was like a bit experimental and not just like a 32 panel ball. It would like, they did like slightly different shaping and stuff. And it was a little bit of a, Oh, have a look at the ball. And it made the World Cup ball become like a bit of a thing where everyone sort of has a little, you know, it's a bit of a thing about the ball. Then I realised I couldn't remember that many amazing moments from 2006 other than the ball. So I was like, oh, I won't do that. So then I went to South Africa, 2010. Oh, that, that had to have been a banging tournament. I remember that one vividly. And that had, and to use a word from Seb, an iconic ball. The iconic football of World Cup history. The one, the only the Jubilani. 
And who was the only player to tame the Jubilani? Diego Forlan. He fucking loved the Jubilani. Now, if you're thinking, the Jubilani, what are you on about? The Jubilani <laughs> was a ball so perfectly round that nobody knew what was going to happen when you hit it. Was it going to go into Rosette, top bins, do a fucking 360 loop-de-loop, then go into the goal? Nobody knew. The Jubilani was unpredictable and ridiculous, and it was That's amazing. what made it so fun to watch. I mean, goalkeepers, I, I definitely felt sorry for goalkeepers in that tournament because the ball just <laughs> yeah. went everywhere, like, it bought their hands, but it was so fun to watch, like, screamers. Yeah, because they experimented with the panels. So, like, they did, like, there was three big panels, and that was that triangular shape, and then, like, four slightly different panels and just the aerodynamics of the ball didn't quite work properly because they were just like sports science and experimentation was like just coming in so they were doing all this mad shit but it wasn't refined like nowadays balls are boring they're so heavily engineered they work perfectly every time and all the balls are just the same now they're perfect and they're great and they're just dull you don't get anything cool like the Jubilani. Diego Forlan the reason he was so good was he was one of the only players who got like balls sent to him or something there's a whole thing about it. he either got balls sent to him or he yeah. turned up to south africa early because he'd heard rumors about the ball and he just practiced with it for ages and that's why he was so good with it like it wasn't a coincidence the reason he was so good with it was because he played with it and he knew what it could do that's why he kept going for like screamers from outside the box because <laughs> he knew what it could do whereas yeah, like yeah. all the other players turned up had two days with it and just kept hoofing it and then it would just like <laughs> knuckle off into Rosette. <laughs> yeah. The only similar story I have to that, have you ever seen the, um, I don't know if it's the Sydney Olympics, I think it was the Sydney Olympics where, you know the vault where the gymnasts run along and then they spring on a thing and they go over the vault and for, I'm not joking, it's something ridiculous like three days, three days, gymnasts were just like breaking arms, breaking elbows, breaking collarbones, like they're running, bouncing, and just missing the thing. Right. Just missing the actual vaulting block. They're all just like tanking over it. Like really horrific injuries. People missing like big flips and stuff. After three days, they measure it and they're like, oh, it's like fucking t- almost a foot too low. <laughs> what? <laughs> just like no one measured it. <laughs> no one noticed it. It was like a foot difference. And like, like literally just like these poor little like they're fucking... Just going, like, like <laughs> Eastern European like gymnasts just being pinged off this thing, like just having like career ending injuries. And they're like, what is going on? And then there's like a really iconic picture of this guy measuring it. And they're like, shit. <laughs> so the 2010 World Cup, other than the ball, again, I had the same sort of dilemma. Other than the ball in England being shit, I have not too many memories. Shabalabalabalabal's goal. And then I remembered the Vuvuzelas and they were fucking annoying. So I was like, you know what? How can that be the GOAT? What, turning on the TV, right, let's watch fucking Uruguay versus whoever. Like, no, thank you. And also they had the ghost goal from uh, Lampard. Frank Lampard hit the ball clearly over the, over the line against Germany. Which then led me on that point specifically. And Suarez, the handball, yeah. It wasn't, to be fair, it was a good one, but... Goal led me on to what is the actual GOAT tournament? And that was the next one. That was Brazil. 2014. It was a banger. There was drama, shocks, new innovations, and big moments which genuinely shook the entire planet. And these innovations I'm talking about, we'll rattle them off quickly. It was the first ever tournament to have goal line technology because of Lampard's goal. So brought in goal line technology. I know 2014 for the like most expensive sport in the entire world. Wow, you know, 
bit late, boys. Also, something else which is like in the modern game all the time, the foam. You know the spray foam oh, yeah. thing they do for free kicks? The first time that was ever used was this World Cup, and it was hilarious because they hadn't had the cans like proper, so they were just spraying like fucking tons of foam like, over people's feet, and they're just kicking it away. <laughs> it was brilliant. People were wiping it off. It was great. The foam was great. But rather than tell the story of World Cup Brazil 2014, like game by game, because Seb will probably jump off a bridge, I thought I would just do a play-by-play, the highlights, the greatest, the GOAT moments. So we'll start. The ball. Oh, piss off. (laughs) The ball of this tournament was the last really good experimental ball, and it was called the Brazooka. Brazil and bazooka no it wasn't actually called the brazooka it's called the brazooka and it went like a fucking rocket son honestly this ball it was like the jubilani but tameable it was a rocket hence why there were so many bangers absolute bangers scored in this tournament by david louise jordan shakiri and james rodriguez (sighs) (sighs) nice I did already mention about balls being boring now, so this was the last tournament where we had a decent ball. The Telstar was shit, don't even know what the ball is this year, but the Brazooka was fine. The next highlight, and I've got all of these like underlined, written in little like notes. England and Spain being shit. To get the elephant out of the room, although this was a great tournament, wasn't a great tournament for England. Mm-hmm. Which, to be fair, usually is the sign of a great tournament. Mm-hmm. We were shit, and the whole world laughed at us. And that's the way it should be. <laughs> we finished bottom of the group. Costa Rica. They finished top, followed by Uruguay and Italy. England and Italy are knocked out. Costa Rica are top and Uruguay are second. So two giants are out of that group of death. We failed to win a single game. We only scored two goals all tournament. And the world laughed at us. And that's our gift to the world. It's for your pleasure, world. It's a sign of a great tournament, England being shit. And also, wasn't one of the two goals that we scored accidentally cut on the ITV footage because someone pressed the advertising That button? was the 2010 World Cup. That was the opening goal against USA. Four minutes in. That was in, Gerard's goal against USA. I remember USA. it so vividly, yeah. yeah. I remember being like, what the fuck is happening? Why did it cut yeah, to commercials? Yeah, yeah. And it came back and everyone was cheering. <laughs> and I was like, what's happened? Have we scored? No, in this tournament, Wayne Rooney scored and Daniel Sturridge scored. Hooray. So we were shit and we were out and that's, that's, like I said, it's a sign of a good tournament. But we weren't actually the biggest, shittest team in the tournament. There was a team with even higher expectations who did even worse and that were the Spanish. Spain were the winners of the last World Cup and the last two Euros back to back to back and they were knocked out in the group stage. They picked up one win in the group, they beat Australia. They were obliterated in their opening game in a famous 5-1 loss to the Netherlands. And I watched that game at another famous thing, the Imperial Pub in Exeter, the first ever Weatherspoons. Get in, my son. (laughs) Shout out, Exeter Imperial. In this game, an Arsenal hero, Robin Van Persie, scored one of the greatest goals ever scored at the World Cup. The Flying Dutchman. Great goal. Cross comes in from the left. A diving header from outside the box over the keeper's head. Spain lose 5-1. National embarrassment for the Spanish. Hilarious for the rest of the world. The sign of a great tournament. My next great highlight is titled Welcome to the World, James Rodriguez. With six goals at the tournament picking up the golden boot, a relatively unknown Colombian walked away from this tournament a superstar and even earned a move to Real Madrid. 
He won the golden boot, as I said, and also goal of the tournament with his chest down volley straight into the top bins against Uruguay, which was a certified banger. Absolute screamer. Everyone loves a breakout star at the World Cup, and they don't get much more memorable than the one, the only, James Rodriguez. My next point, the next highlight, is titled Finds Tight Spaces, Bites Cunts Faces. What a fucking beast. (laughs) (laughs) He's a menace. Obviously, we have to talk about it. The bite. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. This was the first, the only, and probably will be the only World Cup in history where a player was bitten on the field during play. Of course, we're talking about the infamous, super iconic incident where Luis Suarez bit Giorgio Chiellini on the shoulder during their beating of Italy. Now, if you're asking yourself, who's Luis Suarez? Well, let me tell you, he was one of the most underrated and most fantastic football players of his generation. The only player to rival Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo for goals during their peak. The only player to rival them. But he was also very hungry. (laughs) And he did bite three people for three different teams across his career. Three? Yes. Three. (laughs) So he, in his early career, now let's try and, you know, get some context. Luis Suarez grew up in a Uruguayan slum and, you know, was around a lot of violence. And then all of a sudden he's playing for Ajax in Amsterdam on like, you know, the big world stage of professional football player. And that's where he bit his first victim. And <laughs> it was like, a little bit... Like a people vampire. Cut <laughs> <laughs> people cut him a little bit of slack and thought, you know, you know, he's not used to normal life. He's used to, like, you know, a bit of violence and stuff. He got a ban and obviously a red card. And it was like, you know, we'll give him another chance. And then he didn't bite anyone for ages. Good boy. For ages. Comes to Liverpool, sets the world alight. And then he bites Ivanovic on the arm. <laughs> Completely off the ball for absolutely no reason. The ball's nowhere near him. He just bites him. He just grabs him and bites him. That's a really weird one. It's when he does the like head thing where he's like, like it's not just a nibble. He like he just grabs his arm and then all of a sudden just like it snaps and he bites him. Yeah. So then everyone was like, he's a bit bitey. That's not great. (laughs) Then he goes to the World Cup and these the Ivanovic one wasn't that long ago. It was probably like nine months ago. It was like the season before the World Cup. He goes to the World Cup. He's setting the world alight again. And he bites Chiellini on the shoulder. And everyone's like, right, we've fucking had enough of this. Put a muzzle on him or ban him. So they banned him. Because you can't put a muzzle on a football player. It's not right. There's that famous picture of Chiellini, like, doing that. He's, like, yeah, showing yeah, the yeah, bite marks to the referee, like... Yeah. Look at me. He's fucking Because Luis is, like, pointing to his teeth. He's like, he's headbutted me. And Chiellini's got his, yeah, he's got his shoulder out. And there's a huge bite mark out of his shoulder. Also, that, that bite is the weirdest bite. Because what I love about it... Is that Suarez, you can see the thought process. He's like, I can't bite someone again. What if I headbutt them with my teeth? And he like jumps like teeth first into him and like shoves his head down. But like, he's like, well, if I don't use my jaw, it's not biting. But it's like, he just shoves his teeth into his neck. And you're like, you're you're still biting him, Louis. Yeah. (laughs) But to be fair, the bite actually did sort of work out well for Luis Suarez because that summer he was banned for four months and Liverpool were like, well, fuck this. We can't have our best player, one of the, you know, the, probably the best player in the world that year, on the, you know, on the bench banned for four months. Let's sell him to Barcelona for 75 million. He then went on to win the Champions League, excel his career even more, etc., etc. But 
watching one football player bite another live on television in front of billions of people. Incredible stuff. And it only happened at the 2014 World Cup. Here's the last point, and this is called the big one. Oof. This is the most iconic moment, even more than Luis Suarez biting the head off of another man. It's semi-final time. The tournament's gone by. There's been banger after banger scored. But now it's time for the business. The four teams, the last four, who's going to get to the final? And this was the biggest semi-final game. It's Germany, the mighty Germans, versus the favourites and the hosts of the tournament on their home turf, Brazil. Five-time winners of the World Cup. The literal World Cup goats, the mighty, mighty Brazil. It's scintillating. I am glued to the television. I can't wait. The national anthem that was sung by the Brazilians was voted one of the most iconic moments from that tournament, just for the sheer passion that those 11 guys showed during that, like, what, 30 seconds of singing the national anthem. Unfortunately, it was probably overshadowed by this iconic moment that we're about to get into. Once the whistle blew, both teams went at it full force. However, at 11 minutes played, Germany found the back of the net, making it 1-0. How are they going to come back? Well, 19 minutes later, at 30 minutes played, Brazil actually found themselves 5-0 down to the Germans. The second half starts, and by minute 80, they are losing in the World Cup semi-final on home turf as the host nation 7-0. Absolute scenes. I've even written 7 in writing because that's what you do when a football team starts to score 7. You don't do numbers, you do writing. The letters (laughs) come out. Brazil did eventually score a goal in the 90th minute, but it was already done. It was sealed. Signed, sealed, delivered. National embarrassment. And also... Hilarious. (laughs) Hilarious. <laughs> very, very funny for everyone else. The fans are crying. They're like weeping. The players are crying. Neymar with his broken back is on the pitch crying. Thiago Silva, I can't believe it. David Luiz's career is over forever. He will since moved to Arsenal and be shit forever. Brazil, they're not only embarrassed, they are obliterated. There's no going back from this. This is the most embarrassing fixture in World Cup history by far. They were the favourites to win the tournament. They were on home turf, they dominate the World Cup, and they lose in this way to Germany. Then, obviously, Germany beat Messi in the World Cup final, which was watched by me and Sebi. We watched it together, and I distinctly... At my house. Yeah, and I distinctly remember you saying, God, this tournament was so fucking good. If in, like, ten years' time we start doing a podcast and <laughs> someone says, what's the GOAT World Cup, it's definitely going to be this one. And I was like, yeah, mate, it's been sick. Um, you know, whatever. <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, Messi didn't win the final. Germany did beat them 1-0 after a Mario Goetze goal in extra time, but to make this even more of a GOAT World Cup, it did set up the redemption arc for Messi to come back and win it all and finally be cemented as the GOAT this year, avenging the loss in 2014. And one other point, which is a very tiny little stat, I completely forgot, but I just remembered it. Miroslav Closer also beat the world record for most goals scored at the World Cup this year by scoring two goals to make him up to 15 goals at World Cup finals, beating Brazilian Ronaldo. Pretty big record broken at this year. I, I thought Closer had the... Miroslav Closer? Yeah, I thought he had the most goals at like 16. He does have the most goals. Yeah, what? what, what? Yeah. He broke the re- record at this tournament. Oh my God, Closer was... I thought Closer was from the 70s. Are you joking? No, I think I'm an idiot. 
<laughs> you are a fucking idiot. No, Miroslav Klose is one of the most underrated strikers of his generation. He broke the world record at this tournament. He scored two goals to get him up to, yeah, is it 15 or 16? Yeah. He beat Ronaldo's record in 2014. God, he's so underrated. I thought he was from the 70s. That's so funny. That's he, yeah, exactly. He played for Bayern Munich. Yeah, but I don't watch Bundesliga. <laughs> oh, well, you should have been a nerd like me and watch a Bundesliga from like 10. <laughs> it was quite an incredible tournament. There is so much more I could talk about, like all the goals that were scored. Jerdan Shakiri's fucking wonder strikes. David Luiz's side foot free kick from 35 yards. Costa Rica beating England. Like there's so many incredible moments from this World Cup. And I had to just boil it down to just these few moments. And I think I picked the best ones that made this tournament great. Huge shocking results. Absolute giant killings. England and Spain going out at the group stages. People being bitten and eaten alive. <laughs> like, a genuine acts of cannibalism on the pitch. Brazil, hilariously. I couldn't stop laughing. It's the only football game I've ever watched where I've been pissing myself laughing watching them <laughs> lose 7-1 to Germany in the semi-final at home. What are you doing, you fools? It was genuinely one of the best World Cups I have ever seen, and I have definitely the most fond memories from Brazil 2014. It was just like its ball, the brazooka. Experimental, new and innovative, and it went off like a fucking rocket, and it genuinely is the GOAT World Cup for me. Well, yeah, the 2014 World Cup was actually phenomenal. I forgot how much shit took place in that one. Also, yeah, like you didn't even mention your literal hero, you know, Lionel Messi taking Argentina, kicking and screaming, dragging them to the World Cup final only to lose to Germany. I know he literally won the best player of the tournament. He scored incredible solo goals when they needed someone to score. They just passed it to Messi and he dribbled from like the halfway line to get them a goal against Bosnia. And yeah, he just dragged them to the final. And if, if Higuain could fucking score a goal ever in his life, he'd have won it. But yeah. he can't. So... You know, Messi can only do so much. Um, it was annoying, but I believe he will avenge it this year. Not that I don't want England to win, but they won't. But, I, you know, I think Messi that's will, fair enough. He will do it. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's a great shout, 2014. I've got nothing else to say. So let's just go to the middle section, I think. Bup, 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 bup. The middle, middle section. The middle section. Fanfare. Uh, so for the middle section, I've got yet another game because we just fucking love doing these games. I love doing them as well. Um, yes. It's going to be another one of these cool fact games where, you know, I present a question and then the both of you have to answer, but, you know, you each go and So it'll start with Sebek going first and then you'll have your answer and then Mork, you'll have your answer and then whoever's closest or whoever's correct, more correct or whatever, gets the point. Can we do crazy points? No. I've literally already written down the points for like everything because it's not all just one point for each one. Oh no, this is going to be confusing. So yeah, Sebek, you will be the one going first. So you will be the one answering first. Whatever answer you put out, that's your answer. You can't take back. So be careful. Okay. The most attended match in World Cup history was the 1950 World Cup final between Brazil and Uruguay, which was also notorious I don't know if you guys know this, but it was also really notorious for being the game that caused many Brazilian fans to uh, suicide in the stadium when Brazil lost because it was such a embarrassing defeat because they really thought they had won the World Cup so much so that they literally killed themselves when they hadn't. Jesus, Jesus, Christ. that is fucking yeah, dark. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's only fucking football. Well, it's yeah, football's, football's big to the Brazilians. But anyway, what was the official count of the spectators? 
nearest number wins. Sebek, go first. Biggest game in World Cup history, attendance-wise, that is. Here's the thing. I'm very bad at judging attendances. I don't know why, but like, it's one of those weird things that comes up surprisingly often, and I'm always so far out. I either say like 10,000 or half a million. <laughs> yeah. How many do you think were at the Brentford game you went to? Half a million. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say about 20,000. Yeah, less than 20,000. Would have been probably about 15, maybe t- to 10, probably. Really? Yeah, it's a very small stadium. Well, I'll give you some help. This was before the amount of seats equaled the amount of people. So, like, if the stadium's a 60,000-seater, you would get way more than 60,000 people in there because they didn't count seats and shit like that. You'd get, like, 100,000. Yeah. Yeah, that's... So, so... And it was... A, it, I'm pretty sure it was at the Maracanã, which is a very large stadium in the world. How big... How, right, what's the capacity of the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium? It was actually in Uruguay, not Brazil. 60,000. Oh, was that Uruguay? Fair enough. Uh, Tottenham Hotspur is about 60k. 60-something K. Oh, no, wait, no, maybe no, not. I thought it was at the American R. No, it, I, sorry, I'm, I'm getting confused with something else. You might be right, actually. Okay, I'm going to say 110,000 people. Okay. Mork? I'm going to say about 200,000. Fucking hell! The correct answer was 173,850. Yeah, I know, Fucking right? Fucking yes. Although some yeah, speculate the number to be closer to 200,000. Yeah, because there were a lot of people that just went in. Where do you go to see these stadiums that are just absolutely packed to the rafters? Because it just isn't a thing. You can't like... anymore. Not you can't in the UK. Anymore because of stadium collapses and stuff like that. Like, it's just, it's not yeah. really a thing. The largest stadium you'd probably get to was like, the new camp can do 100,000 seated. See, I really want to, maybe we should go to like some, I mean, obviously not now. We don't have this kind of money. We don't have any kind of money. But it'd be super cool to go to like Argentina or Brazil and see one of those games that's just absolutely like bonkers. Well, if you want to go to one, you want to go to like the Boca Juniors rivalry with River Plate. It's like there's like fire in the stadium. The stadium will like crack and break while you're bouncing on it. It's like ridiculous. Yeah. Right. So one point for Mork. Um, next question. Mork, you go first. Okay. So this is actually a two-pointer. It's two answers, and you get a maximum of two points. Minimum is zero, obviously. Which player scored the most goals in a single World Cup, and how many did he score? By the way, all of this is oh, men's World Cup. Just... I know it. Shush, 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 shush. How rude. I know it. It's a French player. It's not Lorenz. Oh, oh. Yeah? It's just Fontaine. Just Fontaine scored the most in a single tournament with nine, I reckon. Okay, Sebek. I thought it was, um, I thought it was Fat Ronaldo, and I thought he did. No. I thought he did eight or nine. I want to change my number. I think it was Fat. I think it was Fat Ronaldo. Sorry, Brazilian Ronaldo. R nine Ronaldo. <laughs> uh, with I'm going to say nine as well. I thought I thought it was R nine Ronaldo, but I could be wrong. Can I change my number to eleven? I will say, um, you can't have the same number, and no, you can't change your number. Sorry. Okay, I'll say eight. It was just Fontaine. Yes! And he scored <laughs> 13 goals oh, for damn. France yeah. during the 1958 I knew I was too low. World Cup in Sweden. Yeah. Because he's like one of the records, like, he's like the third in the list of top scorers at World Cups, and he only played one tournament, and he just fucking smashed it for some reason. With someone else's boots, famously. <laughs> he, wasn't he wasn't even that good. <laughs> wasn't even his own boots. <laughs> That's mad. Yeah, it's mental. Third question. Sebek first. That is I. The first World Cup was... 
1930. Mm-hmm. But who hosted it? Which nation hosted the first ever World Cup? Oh, I think it was in South America. I'm pretty sure Hungary won. Or, um, oh, I think it might have been, I think it might have been Brazil. Okay, Mork? So I know that Uruguay won it. And I'm going to say they won it on home soil. I'm going to say Uruguay. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. It's another point for Mork. It's, yeah, Uruguay, who yes! were the first ever champions of the World Cup. <laughs> I knew it's South America. I knew it's South America. Yeah, you were right with South were America. Close, yeah. yeah. The 2018 edition of the World Cup saw the oldest... Russia, it was in Russia. (laughs) Correct, 20 points! (laughs) You win! The 2018 edition of the World Cup in Russia, thank you, Sebek, for the stat, saw the oldest player to ever play in the World Cup. Which nation did he represent? Oh my God, you know what? He might have actually played for Russia. I know he was 40. Oh, shit. It's a European country for sure. Do you want to do a second point for guessing his age? Okay. I think, actually, I think he was 41. I'm going to say 41 and I'm going to say, I'm going to say Russia. Okay. Unfortunately, I know it was Russia. So I'm just going to say Palestine because we can't have the same answer. And, um, <laughs> and you know, fucking up the Palestinians, mate. Give them give some love. Um... And I'm pretty sure he was actually, and I could be totally out, I think he was 50. 50? 
I think he was really old. I remember seeing the pictures and being like, Jesus Christ. I think he was. I know he's Russian. I think he was 50. Okay, so... But he was not fucking 50, mate. 50? So, you're both wrong about the country. Oh, really? It was Egypt. Oh, fuck. Essam uh, El Hadari was oh, yeah, 45 it. years 45. old. He was a goalkeeper, goalkeeper yeah. and was actually also the oldest player in the World Cup to have saved a penalty too, because he saved a penalty in that tournament. So I think Mork, you get one point for the age being the closest. I was actually closer geographically with Palestine. <laughs> yeah, you were. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but fifty, dude. There's that Japanese guy who's like fifty-two. He's like the oldest football player ever by like far and away. He's actually surprisingly good. Well, he does play for like the second tier Japanese team. <laughs> he must be if he's no, 52. No, he's quite good. I got, I had him on FIFA. Oh yeah, he's alright. Um, I got like his like FIFA wildcard on my ultimate team, and he was like 82 rated. Really? He must be good. Yeah, that's just like a token 82, isn't it? Surely they're like he's the oldest keys in the world. Give him a good number. I mean, yeah, there was like a 95 rated fucking what's his name from Watford, Troy Deeney. Yeah, I mean Troy Deeney's <laughs> great, but I don't know if he's oh, Troy Deeney. Right. I, yeah. <laughs> I love that so much. He deserves 95. Troy Deeney's better than Messi <laughs> on his day. On it. Oh, on his day. Streets remember Troy Deeney. <laughs> the streets remember Troy Deeney. What I will say is that what I give credit to those cards for is the it's like the moments cards. Yeah, yeah. I do think that every player has their day, and there is a day for every player where I truly believe they're the best player on the planet for that ninety minutes. Maybe. Like genuinely, like R. Shavin. That those four goals. There's moments where R. Shavin was the greatest footballer on earth. And there's moments where... He was shit. He was shit. <laughs> <laughs> he was fucking god-awful. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. But, like, I think every player has their day. And I think there's a day out there where Troy Deeney was 95 No, <laughs> No. I think on that day, when it's Deeney, I think he could have beat Cristiano Ronaldo in a race. <laughs> <laughs> he might beat Ronaldo, but he won't beat me. <laughs> right, right, moving on from that. Turkey versus South Korea in the 2002 World Cup saw the fastest ever goal in the competition's history. What was the time on the clock when the goal was scored? 34 seconds. Okay, I'm going to go with like 1 minute 20. It was actually 10.89 seconds. Jesus. I remember a lot of match-fixing allegations for the South Koreans at that tournament because they hosted it, didn't they? And they beat Italy on, like, the silver goal rule or some bollocks, and there was, like, a lot yeah, of... Yeah, it was, it was like, contentious. Like, very, very dubious decisions during that game. Which nation has the most World Cup losses in its history? And for two points, how many losses did they have? What losses in fine in the in the final or like just lost lost the most my games through like the group stage and shit? What, what yeah, uh, group stages count. Yeah. All oh, right. So lost the most actual games. Yeah, most losses in World Cup World Cup history. So you're gonna think you're gonna straight away think like a shit team like England. Yeah, like England, but they generally don't go to the tournaments like every year. So it's got to be someone who goes a lot. So they're not that shit, but they're really shit when they get there. Yeah, like England. Or it could just be a massive team like Germany because they've been like at every single World Cup since its inception. Ah. Ooh, this is difficult. I'm going to say 
I'm going to say Russia, and I'm going to say they would have lost 25 games. Okay, 25, and Russia, right? Uh, Sebek? I'm going to do the exact what Michael said not to do. I'm going to go San Remo, and I'm going to say they've lost... San Marino? <sighs> San Marino have never been to the World San, Cup. Is it Sa- oh, San Marino, not San Remo. Sorry, San Marino. And I'm going to say they've lost, I don't know, 35? They've never been to the World Cup, Seb. They, they've done qualifiers. No, qualifiers don't count. It's yeah. World oh, Cup in the World don't... Cup. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, right. okay. I'll, I'll, let go let, again. I'll let you go again. I'm quite tired today. I don't know if you've realised. Australia. <laughs> That's a shout. They've lost 20. Okay. I can say, actually, the answer is in this room. It's Mexico. Ooh. That's a shocker, actually. Even more of a shocker is they had 25 defeats. <laughs> oh. <laughs> got it bang on. Sev, you got it bang on, bar the wrong country. No, no, no. Mork, you did. Did I? Mork, you said 25. Oh, right. What do you mean, did I? I thought I said 30. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you said 25 and he said 35. <laughs> okay. Oh, goodness. Right. Next one. Which two countries have faced each other the most times in the final World Cup game? The big one, the grand finals. Two points for guessing. See if you get one of them, uh, that counts as one point, for example. And it, who is it first? Is it Sebek? Yeah. By default, I'm going to say one of them is Brazil. They've got the most wins of any country, so it stands to reason that they will be one of the most met other teams. Like, you know, if they've been to the World Cup five times, then there's a high chance that they will have been met multiple times. Yep. I'm going to say, I don't know. For some reason, I want to say Argentina, but I don't know how many actual World Cup finals Argentina have got to. Or do I want to say Brazil? I don't know if Brazil, Germany have faced each other that many times. I'm going to say weird. I'm just going to say Brazil, Argentina. I don't know why. I'm just where my head's at. Okay, Mork, you can pick. You can pick Brazil slash Argentina, but you can't have both of them. So I'm going to say Germany because they've won a few, but they've lost a few. I'm going to say Germany, and I'm also going to say oh, I know Germany have played Brazil. They must have played them a couple of times. I'm going to say Germany, Brazil. Okay, interesting. It was actually, you both get a point. It was Argentina versus Germany. That's wild. That's absolutely wild. Oh, yeah. that was going to be my yeah, next Yeah, yeah, yeah. Damn, no. really? I can't, but that's a whip, Max. I can't think of a single Argentina-Germany final. 2014, 2014, obviously. 1986, where Argentina won. 1990, where Germany won. And 2014, where Germany won again. Only two nations, this is Mork first, only two nations have won the World Cup back-to-back. Which are they? And I think just name one. Just na- I reckon just name, just name one, one of them. Okay. I, I, know, Bra- I know Brazil. Oh, you bastard. Okay, so... <laughs> so that means I have to name the There's other one. There's another obvious one. All right, Sebek. I know Germany. the other one. I'm sure I know the other one. Germany? It is Brazil. Yeah. And it is not Germany. It is Italy. Is it? 1934 and 1938. Oh, I would have said Germany as well. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Brazil was the obvious one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Brazil was the super <laughs> That's the problem with that question. <laughs> Sorry, Seb. Okay, and this is the final question. This is the nail biter. This is the, the one. Is this to win it all? Is this like worth 100 points? It's worth three points. So how this is going to work, how this is going to work, because this is, this is a really difficult one, so... Surely I've won, though. We'll get to the scoreline in a minute. 
So the first guess is worth three points, but if you both get it wrong, I'll give you a hint, and then you get another guess, but it will be worth two points, and then if you get it wrong, hint, one point. So, Sebek, you to go first, I think. Right. Which nation is the only team to have played just one World Cup match in its entire history? What? Fucking hell. Three points if you can just fucking get it right now. How? It would have had to have been pre-group stage, so it's got to be really old. Yeah, it's it's pre-how we know the World Cup. Because you would, you would automatically play three games, so it's got to be like the fucking 30s to 50s. I mean, this is just a swing in the dark at this point. It's got to be... Yeah. I mean, it's not... Maybe we... Th- if I think about it objectively, I think, well, host nations auto-qualify. So has there been a host nation that's not done particularly well? South Africa. <laughs> But they played three. They played three. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, no, you need to change your thinking. I'm going to say Iran. Okay, okay. Mork? I know, I know Iran is wrong, because I know Iran played at the 2014 World Cup. Shit. Um, He's such a nerd. And they're playing at this one. Yeah, I know. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I remember all of the dates. I remember. I'm fucked up. <laughs> um, right. It's not going to be a European nation. Is it going to be an African nation? Do you know what I might say? I might say somebody like Afghanistan. I'm going to say fucking Borat. I'm going to say Afghanistan. Borat's not from Afghanistan. He's from Kazakhstan, you fucking racist. Oh, shit. Yeah, Kazakhstan. I think it just makes him an idiot. He has a very big uh, testicles. I'm going to say Kazakhstan. Uh, both wrong. So now you get a clue. The clue is the country is located Southeast Asia. Cambodia? No, it can't be that. <laughs> it can't be Cambodia. <laughs> no, 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 no. I was thinking my. I was thinking. I was thinking. Is it North Korea? But it can't be them because I'm sure they played at a proper tournament with three games. So now I'm thinking. Yeah. Also, I'll give you another hint. North Korea aren't in Southeast Asia. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, I mean North's North's in the the name as well. <laughs> Yeah, but they're north. They're the... Oh, right, I'm not going to get into it. No, 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 stop. Yeah, they're north. They're, they're the north bit of Korea, but there might be the Southeast, southeast Asia, of Asia country. Give me a Southeast Asian country, please. Uh... <laughs> Geography failing me. Indonesia. By God, he's got it. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> it's <Thank> Indonesia. <laughs> Yeah, they played under the Dutch East Indies name. And yeah, I think 1930 or 1934, I think it was. God damn. Wow, I am a certified fucking nerd. Thank you. So who who won? It was really close in the end, actually. Um, wasn't It was single digits, uh, the difference. Yeah. Sebek with a grand total of uh, two. <laughs> <laughs> and Mork just clinching it out with 10 points. <laughs> Oh, you bastard. I knew that that single digit was going to be eight or nine. I was like, you fucker. Oh, sorry, Sev. I shake your hand. I don't shake it back, you Very good. Very, very well played. You, you did well. I did not do well. I got two. I think, I think there's no, yeah, Mork's just such a nerd at football. I, I, 
what do you expect i think i kind of forgot how much of a nerd he was to us i didn't realize it was I... game over when i said iran and he was like oh they've actually played on and i was like oh well fucking and, and, and they're at this tournament as well and and they were at 2018 as well i'm pretty sure were they 2018 i think so I always remember they have really nice kits. And and actually, and actually at 2014, it was like th- they thought that like, oh, oh my god, are every single nation gonna score because it's like never happened that every single nation has scored a goal. And Iran, they lost their first two games, they didn't score a goal, and then they scored in a 3-1 loss against somebody I can't remember, but I know that they were in Argentina's group. They scored a goal to lose 3-1 in their final game, thus making every single nation score a goal in that tournament. What tournament is this? 2014? 2014, yeah, incredible. Oh, wow, really? Uh, anyway, Sebek. Shall I crack on? I would love to hear what you've picked as the greatest World Cup ever. I want to start by saying, first and foremost, I objectively didn't want to do the GOAT World Cup, as you both know. <laughs> <laughs> why also i think aren't you editing this episode as well i am what a hateful experience <laughs> uh, why is it all why always me. me as the great mario Balotelli <laughs> once said yeah yeah you got it seb you're getting it you're in the spirit mate let's go at first i thought it was because it was a boring topic every world cup is pretty much the same it's the same teams the same drama some people lose some people win everyone does a lot of shouting it's always disappointing. And then I thought, am I just being sour? Is it because every year, both on and off the pitch, England represents themselves dreadfully? On the pitch, our team is always full of talented, bright sparks with huge potential who never work together and end up putting a subpar performance down and going out to fucking Greenland. <laughs> <laughs> off the pitch, a bunch of overweight middle-aged dads and trained nutcases paint their faces red and white, racially abuse anything that walks, and then get into an enormous fight with the local police that leaves the streets looking like a war zone and ends in a huge diplomatic incident. That's what's so great about them. (laughs) Yeah. Three lines on the show. Imagine spending your entire day and your entire run-up to the World Cup at the gym preparing to throw a small Estonian man into a canal. (laughs) Sorry. Sam, you're smashing this. But that's not what's always so disappointing about the World Cup. What's disappointing is that football is supposed to bring people together. Or at least that's what FIFA always says. It's supposed to provide opportunities, create bridges between nations, and help bring the world together. The FIFA World Cup is supposed to bring financial prosperity to the host nation. It's supposed to put them on the map and give them a chance to share their culture. And yet this year, 32 teams of players, staff, hundreds of television crews and countless fans are descending on Qatar, a nation where alcohol consumption and illicit sexual affairs are punishable by flogging, a practice that we haven't done since the Middle Ages. A nation where the highest punishment for homosexuality is death. Actual death by stoning. What a happy, happy place. (laughs) What an honour it is for our footballing nation to pump money into such an economy. An economy which has seen the deaths of over 6,000 migrant workers since it won its World Cup bid in 2010. A bid that was won on the back of a billion dollars in bribes, TV deals and straight up payments to FIFA. A decision that was described only this week by the FIFA president at the time who awarded that bid, Sepp Blatter, as quote, a mistake. You don't fucking say. And before anyone brings it up, yes, I'm obviously going to watch the World Cup. (laughs) I love football. I love international tournaments. 
I hate that our global love of football has been bastardised by corrupt officials into a glorified sports washing scheme. And I know what you're all thinking. Again. Well, you can't just not pick a World Cup. Well, that's fine, because I have picked one. I've picked the Conifa World Cup, a non-profit international tournament played by teams from unrecognised states, minority diasporas and stateless peoples. The tournament has been hosted every four years since 2014 and has seen over 50 teams representing everywhere and everyone from Northern Cypriots, Tibetans, Romani travellers and a whole host of African nations and peoples which I can't pronounce. The tournament is, I have to say, not massive. Most teams field a selection of pros, ex-pros, semi-pros and blokes who just like a kickabout. <laughs> uh, I would say that most teams have less than 50% professional players and those that are professional play in like Hungarian B-League. Uh, so they're basically semi-pros as well. The last tournament was held in 2018 in London on behalf of Barawa, which is a group of people from the Somali diaspora. Because Somalia is a bit edgy, uh, there are actually more people from Somalia living outside of Somaliland than actually in it, which I found out, which is fucking mental. And those people are known as the Barawa, about 60,000 of which live in London. So they hosted it in London. And that is actually pretty normal for the Kanifa World Cup. So when you host the Kanifa World Cup, you are just the group, the nation that leads the tournament committee. It doesn't have to be hosted in your actual nation. The tournaments are just held wherever they can find enough pitches and stadiums, which I think is a fucking great idea. And I personally think that's what football's all about. It's about bringing people from across the world, meeting up, having a kickabout, and getting to know each other. And I know what you're thinking. This all sounds a bit wet. Sounds a bit (laughs) hippy-dippy, a bit Seb's gone fucking native. (laughs) Don't shoot me. Because what I would say to that is you should watch the Vice documentary on the Kanifa World Cup. Because I tell you what, if you think you've seen people get excited when they watch Brazil or Argentina play, you should watch what happens when a bunch of people who have never seen their nation, state or people represented in football. Ever. Because they're not allowed. Like, for instance, Tibet. Politically, no country will recognise Tibet because China's too powerful and China's just like, Tibet doesn't exist. And so the Tibetan people cannot play football under the Tibetan flag. In this documentary, there is a bunch of Northern Cypriot guys from London who are so fucking buzzing to watch North Cyprus play, it is unreal. I have never seen people so excited to watch a game of football in my life. They have never seen their national team play, ever. They've never even had a chance to wave their flag, because if they do that in their own country, it's illegal. And on the flip side, there's a great interview with an Italian guy who came to support Padinha, a small group of northern Italy that wants independence. This guy's not from Padinha, he's from southern Italy, and he was like, well, Italy didn't qualify for the World Cup, I just wanted someone to shout about. And I think that's fucking hilarious. (laughs) And he is genuinely turning up, healing old wounds, bringing northern Italy and southern Italy together, just because he quite likes having a shout. He's just like, I just like football. I just thought I'd come along and get behind some lads who I think are having a good time. And he goes on my favourite rant of all time. So in this documentary, he is clearly pissed. He's just watched Northern Italy get knocked out and he literally goes on the sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit. (laughs) And it's fucking great. He just goes on this list ranting about nations that he's met 
and he's now talking about their sort of various problems that he's met through meeting them. But he can't remember, and he's clearly very drunk. Mm. So he just keeps going like, Western Armenia, those guys want to go back to Armenia or something. And it's like, yeah, they do want to go back to being Armenia or something. Well done. He's like, (laughs) Northern Cyprus, they want Cyprus or something. And it's like, yeah, they do. (laughs) And then he goes, and then there's Valululu. That is not how you say Tuvalu, which is... (laughs) Which is the uh, small Pacific Island nation that came up to represent themselves. And he's like, I've never heard of them, but they're a great laugh. And global warming's going to happen and they're going to lose all their homes. It's like, (laughs) other than the name thing, you're pretty much bang on. And I think that's lovely. And I think that's what football is all about. It's about coming together over passion and pride and over football to just meet a bunch of new people, have a kickabout and have a laugh. And I think that any tournament that allows underrepresented or even unrecognised groups of people to see their team with their name on it represented for them has to be the GOAT. Watching 50 Northern Cypriots chuck beer everywhere over a penalty scored in a non-league stadium in North London is, as Jose Mourinho once said, Football heritage. And that is the end of my argument. However... Sensing that I might end a bit quickly, I've come up with a bonus question. Can either of you guess who the third reserve keeper for Matabeleland is? Where is Matabeleland? It's a small subsection of Zimbabwe. Oh, is it? It's going to be someone Vinny knows. That's a bit racist. He's made me racist! Why would I know them? (laughs) What? (laughs) Zimbabwe is just like a fucking village. It's school with you or something. Really, you know everyone in Zimbabwe, don't you? <laughs> yeah, mate, yeah. I'll give you a clue. He used to play for Liverpool. He's not from Zimbabwe, but he is from an African nation. He used to play for Liverpool? Liverpool when? In the 80s or, like, recently? Um, He was 65 when he represented them in 2018. George Graham. He was Graham. 65. <laughs> <laughs> he yeah. was, hang on. He was 65 when he represented this country in 2018. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he would have played for Liverpool like 40 years ago. Yeah, he was in the Liverpool version of Hollyoaks, if that helps. Right, fuck knows. What's he called? <laughs> He's called Bruce Grobelar. <laughs> no way. Yeah. Who's that? Bruce Grobelar. Yeah, He's he a plays... Liverpool legend, the wobbly legs Bruce Grobelar. Yeah, he plays third reserve for Matabele Land. Bruce That's he didn't go on the pitch, he just stays sits on the side and shouts. Mascot. But he fucking loves it. That's actually pretty crazy. Bruce Grobelar is a Liverpool legend. Probably Liverpool's greatest ever goalkeeper as a football club. Really? Yeah, yeah. Re- really? Seriously? Yeah, seriously. I'm pretty sure he paid quite a lot of money to get Matabele Land to turn up to the Conifa World Cup because obviously they're a tiny fucking subsection of Zimbabwe. They don't have much money. And the only way they got there was from donations from Bruce Grobelar. And they also made a really sick football kit, which they sold on Kickstarter and raised $30,000 to get on a plane over. And they are, by far and away, the most fun football team I've ever seen. That is insane. The only team I've ever seen lose 6-0 and come off the pitch dancing and singing. They're just buzzing to be there. They're just happy to have a kickabout. And that is football heritage. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. So my pick for the greatest World Cup of all time, just to put it on paper, is the Conifa World Cup that represents anyone who isn't represented, really. Bruce Grobelar played 440 games for Liverpool. He also played 
36 games for Plymouth Argyle. Oh, no way. In 1996-1997, yeah. I just think it sounds really fun, and I actually was like, we should go and watch the next one. What's it called? The Conifa World Cup. If it's nearby, if it's if it's like in Argentina or something, I, I don't know, it seems like a bit of a hassle to get to Argentina. This year it was supposed to be in North Macedonia, uh, you know, in 2020 it was supposed to be in North Macedonia, but they cancelled it for COVID. It was every four years? It's supposed to be every four years, but it's sort of every four-ish years or when they can organise it. When they get about, <laughs> yeah. Every four years if we can do it. It's also non-profit, I should say that. So no one makes any money, which I also, I meant to say that at the beginning. You did. That is crazy. I've never heard of that ever. As we've established, as the biggest football nerd on the planet, I've never heard of that World Cup whatsoever. Well, the thing is, I was quite annoyed at having to do it. And so I tried to find the uh, the most weird World Cup. And I was trying to find like the Darts World Cup or something like that. I just thought that was a bit shit. And then I found these guys who shared my equal hatred for FIFA, and I was like, Fair. "All right, you can. You, I'll do you. Mm, I'll do you." <laughs> Is that a threat? <laughs> or a promise? <laughs> <laughs> I'll do you. Um, but no, I'll put the Vice documentary as a link in the bio for this episode. It's really fucking good. I will I, I'll send it to both that. of you guys. It's really, yeah, really yeah. funny. The guy who presents it gets to warm up with the Barawa team. And again, this is hilarious. So these guys are doing an international tournament over Ramadan. So they're literally not eating before games. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Wow. And he turns up and he's like, oh, I'm going to fucking smoke these guys. And they are so fit. And he's like, oh, fuck. And it's literally just like 15 <laughs> minutes. This like, overweight white guy just like. <gasps> and, like, and, then, like and he's like, what have you guys eaten today? And this guy's like, oh, I had some dates for breakfast. And I haven't eaten since the sun came up. And he's like, <laughs> they're just so hardcore that's so funny and also there's literal pyro going off in the stadiums i forgot to say that but it's in like the fucking doncaster rover stadium and there's just two massive cypriot guys with huge pyro going off in the corner like (laughs) i just love it it just makes me really happy i i watched the whole documentary with a smile on my face and i thought well even if you guys don't like it i thought it was fun that's sick I do like it. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was really disappointed when you started <laughs> talking <laughs> about something that wasn't like the fucking 1966 World Cup where England won or something. I was like, oh man, oh he's done it, hasn't he? He's done it again. He's done it again. The bloody Harry Kane. The more you were saying about like how everyone's just like just absolutely loves it and like loves getting into it, and it's like it is just all these random places from around the world where they just they just love having a kick about and they just want to have a kick about and have you know fans of their nation come and watch them i, I don't know if i call them nations it, it subsect of nations a lot of them i guess it's just that they call them like people people's like, right it's just like groups of people's like some of them are like people who speak certain languages some of them are people like who are looking for independence or like some of them are nations that like are like tibet obviously is its own country but like so it's like a real mix i just think it's super fucking cool like weirdly i do get it in a way and i I think this is something that like even in the uk watching like this is not the same it's not even close to the same but like in a weird way i can get it it's like watching the premier league as someone from the south of england there actually isn't a team who i have a connection with really i like arsenal because i started watching them when i was a kid but i'm not from that part of london michael's not from liverpool never visited how fucking cool would it be to watch Devon play a game of football and actually fucking give a shit and actually be like, fuck yeah, this is where I grew up. I have a real 
genuine connection with these people. Well, I used to watch Exeter every week. Yeah, fair. I mean, it's sort of the same, isn't it? But... but yeah, I know what you mean. Like, it's difficult. Like, yeah, like there's a big push in there for people to get into like non-league football. Like, I don't watch Fenerton every week, but I could. They're a registered non-league football team where I live. Yeah, no, exactly. But I choose to watch the Premier League. It's the same thing. I get. I totally get what you're saying. I think it's nice to have like an identity and be able to like get excited about watching some people who you feel represent you play a game and like wear your shirt and have your fucking badge on it like northern cyprus tried to declare independence the greeks went fucking mental and annexed them and that's been pretty much the way it's been for the last like 30 years they've never watched a game of football with their colors on it ever okay right so now comes the best part of the show obviously where i have to crown the big one the goat world cup yeah going back to what you said mork 2014 world cup great world cup Really fucking fun World Cup. I actually forgot like how fun it was. And yeah, the whole thing with like Messi kick just dragging. You know, it seemed like Messi was about to do a Diego Maradona and just fucking win the World Cup basically by himself. I mean he didn't in the end, unfortunately. Yeah. But it was I'm so- really annoyed that I forgot a lot of that, to be fair, because it was a big moment. But I feel like he's gonna do it this year. Because he did drag he Maradonaed them to the Copper America. He's gonna do it at the World Cup. To intervene, but they've worked the ball to Al Sherry. He's got a shot on target and scored for Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia are on the scoreboard and it's 1-1 against one of the favourites. His effort is repelled, but Saudi Arabia are becoming difficult to contain. Al Dasari. Oh, my word! Yeah, but on the other hand, you, you did kind of win my heart over, <laughs> Seb, with the... the I, I can't remember what it's, how it's pronounced. Conifa. The Conifa World Cup. Conifa World Cup. Yeah, I can't even pronounce it, but it's won my heart. Like, that, that, that is just like... Yeah, it's really heartwarming. That's really nice. That's like, that is... Yeah, what, when you get down to it, that is what football is all about. Like, I know Mork isn't as much like this, I think, but I'm definitely like... I love just watching people just have a kickabout... On like, oh, yeah, at the park i just find it fun to just watch any what? type of football i, I love like, i'm a big football. fan of the, the whole game i'm not i'm not some like elitist premier league everything else is shit i'm pretty sure i've heard you say on multiple occasions like oh like, i don't want to watch this game or watch that game what's the point it's like no it's you know who cares no but <laughs> what, about what, about women, what about women's football michael i watch yeah women's I also, that's what i was alluding to i watch women's football I watched England since, during the Euros and they were really good. When? I watched England in the Euros and they were really good. I also watched like North Korea versus like Jamaica and they weren't great. And I was like, this isn't that entertaining. And I texted you and you said, fair enough. It took you some convincing though. Because at first you were like, I'm not watching any of this. Because I'd watched it previously and I wasn't that entertained by like the top level. That was all it was. I'm also not entertained when I watch Doncaster versus fucking Ipswich. I'm also like, this is dull. Exactly. So this is what we're saying. You're an elitist. You only watch the good games. That's fair enough. Like the good games, like they're you know they're fucking. It's exciting. all about you it's were like shouting the other day that I didn't field. like football because it wasn't entertaining because Anthony wasn't doing like ten spins and now you're <laughs> now you're like doing the opposite. You're having to go at me for saying you don't watch shit football. What's wrong with you? <laughs> there's nothing wrong with you, mate. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with you. Um, I'm just saying that like. Besides the point, that is what football's all about. Yeah, like, I know it is. Just getting is. people together, having a kick about with your mates. Like I said, some may call it the beautiful game. Some call it kicking an inflated ball of air around with your mates. And 
they're both equally as valid, I think. That leaves me crowning one. Um, I'm not going to lie, I did actually really want to crown the Khalifa. Khalifa, yeah. yeah. Khalifa, what, what did I say? Khalifa? The Mia Khalifa World Cup. <laughs> the Mia Khalifa World Cup. <laughs> I really want, I actually like, I actually got it, like, my, my heart was stolen by your, your, your presentation. But then when I was like summing up Mork's 2014 World Cup, I was a bit like, oh man, it's so fucking exciting. And then that, that's the thing. That is the unfortunate thing. Another political rant incoming is that like that's football is so special and magical to so many people. I mean, the last World Cup was watched by almost half the world's population, 3.2 billion people. That's insane. That's crazy numbers. That's like, yeah, it's, it's the people's sport, the sport of the world. But the people who control the most beautiful, you know, most popular game in the world, the people's game, they're, they're all horrifically corrupt, terrible people that are bad for the sport. And Fucking bastards. That's just the way it is in mm. capitalism, isn't it? Not in the Kanifa World Cup, it's not. But even though FIFA are arseholes, the FIFA World Cup still brings incredible moments to billions across the globe. So... As much as I would love to crown the Mir Khalifa World Cup, <laughs> I will have to give it to the 2014 World Cup. Fair play. I think that's the best of the bad bunch. It was a great World Cup. I remember it really well. At the end of the day, football won. Well, at the end of the day, FIFA won and Qatar won. <laughs> the bastards. Yeah, unfortunately. No, Seb, I actually did love your presentation because i was like yeah what is he gonna pick because you did you were really anti like i can't be fucking bothered world cup where they're all the same they're all shit i was thinking like you're you're not gonna pick something that you truly believe in like if you pick like 2010 you don't really think that's the go you don't really care but you did pick something that you truly believe in and you believed in it for like the right reasons and yeah i i love that pick football should be enjoyed by everybody it is the beautiful game, and if, you, if you're not able to watch football, that is a fucking tragedy because it's the greatest thing on the planet. Yes, Seb, my housemate. Why don't you like football? Yeah, what a piece of dick. Yes, yes, Seb. <laughs> if you don't like football, get out. But yeah, with that, I think it's time to close up the show. Yeah, I think it's time to go. So as this goes out, the World Cup is happening right now. That's right, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. I hope everyone has a good tournament, I guess. I hope England go out bottom with two goals scored and Southgate gets sacked. I hope we make those six and a half thousand migrant workers who've died creating the World Cup proud by going out bottom of the group stage. <laughs> yeah. But it's all right, because Southgate says that they just want football to go ahead. So it's fine, isn't it? Yeah, I hope Messi wins the World Cup this year, I'm not going to lie. I know England are going to lose and Southgate gets sacked. Do you know what I hope? Just because you hope that. I just want CR7 to just have one last fucking thunder. He's not going to do it. He's he's rubbish. He's He's going to take all those steroids (laughs) and just fucking go on like one last mad one. Like, he's got it in him. He's insane. And I don't mean insanely good. I mean insane in the membrane. Oh, right. I can see him just fucking being like, I will fucking die. I want to see him either win or literally kill a man on the pitch. (laughs) (laughs) there's your only two options he's starting to get a bit aggressive yeah he like punched someone (laughs) he's rubbish seb when messi makes the final you will be fully back in messi to do it an argentina portugal final would just be absolutely oh it would be bedlam that would be incredible 
penalty in the 91st. Imagine watching Messi and Ronaldo shake hands at the start of a World Cup final. Chills. (laughs) They're like, (laughs) like, fuck. (laughs) They just fuck on the pitch and that's it. Loser sucks the other one's cock. Loser gives uh, like a Ballon d'Or to the other one. (laughs) All their Ballon (laughs) d'Ors. Messi retires with 60 Ballon d'Ors. He just collects everyone's Ballon (laughs) d'Ors. If that's it, I think we should end the show. Become a patron if you've got the money. If not, Instagram at the goats pod with underscores between that. Yeah, give us a five star review. Say uh, say that Mork's dick's tiny, and I'll give you a shout out. We'll send a sticker. We will send stickers to anybody who gives a five star review and says Mork dick's Mork's dick is tiny. There's an I'll send the sticker. Vinny will send stickers to anybody who does. <laughs> Michael say Michael's gonna say he'll send you a sticker and then not send it for two weeks. Right, listen, Royal Mail are rubbish, okay? Mate, you're rubbish. You can't just blame everything on Royal Mail. I can. Those stickers <laughs> never turned up because they never got sent. They did get sent. I said. I love you. Bye. I love you. Bye. <laughs> love you. Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.